So we called Mary and and she was, lived in Nazareth. Yeah, she lived in Nazareth. And, um, and she was about to get married to a person called Joseph. An angel appears and Mary gets scared and the angel says, You will have a baby. You must name him Jesus. Yeah, and, and it, it wasn't an ordinary baby. Yeah, it wasn't an ordinary baby. Well, then Mary realizes that um, she's not married to Joseph yet. Then why did she didn't um, marry to Joseph? Well, she wasn't married to Joseph yet, Karen. She was gonna, but maybe, she maybe, uh, maybe she was, she only married uh, uh, in Bethlehem. They traveled to Bethlehem. I don't know. Something about taxes. So then everyone had to come back, and Joseph was also a part of, of um, his kingdom. So they so they had to go to Bethlehem. They had to uh, ride on uh, a camel. Or a donkey. I don't like riding donkeys, so no. Because she doesn't know how, because she's never done it. And there is also a star in the sky. Wait, you're forgetting some stuff. Okay. All the inns were full. Full. The hotels were full. And they said no room, no room. Um, And then they said... Go to the stable. They wrapped Jesus in clothes and put him in a put him in a uh, I don't know. A manger! It was it was a ma- it had a manger inside it. It was a stable, it had farm animals. Yeah, and the baby slept with the manger and the and you, you're putting extra words in the story, actually, maybe. Baby Jesus got born in a barn with animals. Of the animal, what are just animals? Cow and a donkey. Okay. Pigs. <laughs> a bunch of sheep. I don't think that's that much farm animals, Karin. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, then name them all. Yeah. A, a chicken with the and the turkey are similar to each other, and then cow, cow pig, cow pig, and uh, horsey donkey oh, is all similar to each other. Oh, but except chicken, chicken all similar. You already said chicken. Yes, but okay. One thousand. I just say the numbers. One thousand bunny animals. And the clever men far away knew that. Uh, the they read in the books and multiple books, and it said that a new star represents a newborn uh, king. They brought um a rattle and uh, maybe a few ladder, candle, food, diapers, and um. And gold. They what? were on um, gold. Myrrh. Uh, and frankincense. And the king of the Jews. Um, he wasn't happy because Jesus was gonna uh, take place as king instead of him. I don't know what his name is again. Bob. 
Yeah, his name is Herod. He he was actually planning to kill Jesus. He, he wasn't trying to like celebrate him. That's not even celebrating. I think that's the end. Happy birthday, Jesus. It's good. Top quality right there. Top quality. Um, big thank you, uh, yeah, to all the kids and the parents, because I know it's a lot of work to get your kids and the parents and everybody there and try to get them to articulate a Christmas story uh, in just a matter of a few minutes. So thank you. Um, and we're going to talk about that story. Um, but first, I want to start this Christmas Eve by talking about your Christmas story. I want to talk about the Christmas story that some of you have been having since like November 1st, because that's when you put the Christmas lights up because it upsets your neighbor, but you love it because it brings joy to the world and you justify it through all different ways. But, you know, you started your Christmas story around then, maybe October, maybe you pushed Halloween because you're, you know, pro-Jesus. And and then some of you are like the type of people who you're just kind of coming into Christmas the past week. So you have just been running everywhere, getting all the gifts, getting all the food, trying to coordinate with everybody, get all the family together, try to text and call and email everybody. And, and they're coming, then they're not coming, they're coming, then they're not coming. You're like, just make up your mind. You know who I'm talking about, those aunts and uncles, okay? And so you're just in full stress mode right now. You're barely even present. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, we had a snowball fight. Now he's up talking. How long is this going to take? And some of you are thinking about like what's happening at home. You're wondering if you left the oven on. Did I leave the straightener on? Some of you weren't thinking about it, but now you are. So now you're really freaked out. Um, some of you are just, you're just going, okay? And I get it. I mean, Christmas is a busy time. A lot of our Christmas stories are just go, 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 right? And we're trying to figure it all out. We're trying to get it all right because you don't want to show up at the right Christmas with the wrong presents or not show up with any presents at all. So you're checking the list and twice, three times, four times. You, you can get what I'm getting at, right? And even some of you kids, you have it really rough, you know? You have to ask for the presents. You have to show up to Christmas. You get to open the presents. And then you have to play with the presents. It is just, whoo. I'm just glad that you made it to Christmas Eve service. In fact, some of you, especially the teenagers probably in the room, you're like, when is this guy going to be done? Because it's time to go. Because I either got my gifts, I'm going to get my gifts, and that's all I can think about. We're thinking about all the things that we have to do. And I get that they, we all have responsibilities. I, all, I get that we want to get together with our family and our friends for Christmas. Um, I get that we should celebrate it. Um, I totally get that. But sometimes our minds aren't in the right place. Some of you, you're even, you're like moving on from Christmas. You made it. It's Christmas Eve. We got it. We're at church. We made it to church. That's a success in and of, it own, in of, in and of itself. And so you're thinking about work. Right? You're thinking about the emails you got to get done because, well, Christmas ain't going to pay for itself. And so somebody has to pay the bills. And so that's where some of your minds are. Um, and I get it. There is, there's so much. There's things to do, things to get, things to eat, things to bake, things to wrap. Just a lot of things going on in our Christmas stories. Isn't that true? In the midst of all the things, I think we forget something. We forget a really important something. And no, I'm not going to say Jesus yet, because that would just be really cliche. I want to talk for just a second about something that we can all agree on, whether you're a Christian or not. This is just a humanity thing. This is just how I think we are created to be, and we forget it around the time of year where we really shouldn't forget it, around the time of year where it should be the most important thing that we think about. 
And to explain this, this uh, thing that we should all know about, uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, this is a, a story from my childhood um, at my uh, grandpa and grandma's house uh, on my mom's side. We would go over there, lots of aunts and uncles, grandparents, and then lots of cousins. Uh, I had uh, a few cousins and and so we would all get together and we did really like a traditional Christmas. We all gathered, we all opened presents and then we ate that kind of thing. So what was really incredible about this Christmas is how, um, how all the cousins for a few years, including myself, were really uh, good at cleaning up the mess of all the wrapping paper and all the bows. In fact, we would, with intentionality, as soon as a present was unwrapped, we'd grab it and we'd stick it in a bag because we had a plan for this wrapping paper and these bows. We would take it to the basement hallway of the basement where we had Christmas. It's a, kind of a decently sized hallway. And we would throw all the wrapping paper into the, uh, the hallway. And then uh, we would, by the end of Christmas, have a pool of wrapping paper a few inches deep. And we would have for hours a great time in the pool of wrapping paper. Not only could you swim in it, but you could play a lot of games with it. You'd take uh, all the bows um, that we had, different colored bows, and we'd throw it in the wrapping paper, mix it all up, and then we'd have competitions to see who could find the correct bow, the fastest, and all this stuff. Hours of joy and fun. And as a kid, I thought this was just great. But I can imagine all the aunts and uncles and adults sitting there, and at their feet are all these gifts they, they, you know, they've bought and Santa has brought. And, and, and then what are their kids doing? Swimming in the garbage. Yeah. Swimming in the wrapping paper and the bows. And it makes you wonder, could I have just bought a bunch of wrapping paper for my kids and then they'd be happy? Of course they wouldn't be happy. But they're sure happy now. And no one in their right mind, not even a kid, would probably make a pool of wrapping paper and go swimming in it for very long if they didn't have people to swim in it with. And that was the fun part of this whole experience. That's what made this wrapping paper bow hunting extravaganza enjoyable is because we were all together, all the cousins, and we all had fun doing this activity together. It wasn't about the gifts. In fact, at that moment, the gifts weren't that important. It was about the people. And that's what, what I think we all forget. We all forget is we forget that joy doesn't come, especially the Christmas kind of joy, Joy doesn't come from the something or the some things in our life. It's from the someone or the someones, pardon my grammar, but you're going to have to, you know, contend with it for the rest of today. Someones in our lives. That's what matters most. What made the wrapping paper fun were all the cousins that were there to have fun with. I mean, parents, let's be honest. When your kids go to open their gifts, you know, tonight or whenever, they, whenever you do Christmas, okay? Parents, are you watching them unwrap the gift? Are you watching the gift itself? Or are you watching their face? Are you watching the smile as they open the gift that they really, 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 really want? You're watching their face because it's about the someone, not the something. And kids, let's be honest. How fun would it be to open your gifts all alone with no one else around? Maybe for a gift or two, but after a while, it'd just be kind of 
a bummer because who's going to see that you got what you really, really wanted? Who's going to see the gift that you, that you really wanted and celebrate with you and smile and say, yay, that's so exciting and help you put batteries in it? Who's going to do that if no one's there with you? It's not that much fun. It's super cool to see a camel on Christmas, right? But what's even better than just a camel on Christmas is to see it with your family, to see the faces of your family see you getting a picture with a camel or your whole entire family having a picture with a camel on Christmas Eve. That's what's cool. Or for some of you social media inclined people, it's taking your selfie with the camel and posting it to your social media accounts, hashtag Infused Church. And then seeing who likes your camel selfie. Okay? That's what makes it special. Yes, an indoor snowball fight to the song Baby Shark is whew, amazing. Amazing. But isn't it even a little bit more fun to be able to see the expression of a friend of yours or your parents or your son or daughter as you throw an indoor snowball at them in church on Christmas Eve? It's just kind of special because they're there with you. We forget too quickly, especially on Christmas, that joy doesn't come from some things. It comes from the people, the some ones that are around you. The things that we have are only temporary. But the real joy and the real happiness comes from the some ones that are with you. And unfortunately, adults, we recognize this most when the some ones that we really hope would be at our Christmases aren't anymore. Or maybe they're just not with us altogether because we've lost a loved one or a parent or a child. And every Christmas, it's, it's hard because we remember those who aren't there to bring their joy into our homes. And we realize this truth more than ever in those moments. People, people are more important than any toy, kids, any event, adults, any gifts, or anything that we have. It's true. I thought my PlayStation 2, when I got it, and I was like 12 years old or something, it was my first gaming console, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I stayed up late. I didn't even like football, but the, game, the, the PlayStation came with Madden football, so I played football. Um, I didn't even know how to play it, so I just hit, you know, I'm doing the same play over and over again. I'm winning, haha, <laughs> yay. And, uh, the, and I thought it was great. But the last time I hung out, and played PlayStation 2 was probably 15 years plus ago. But the people who gave me that PlayStation 2, my parents, well, one hopefully is holding a camel out there, and the other is hopefully watching my children. They're still here, still hanging out with them to this day because those are the people, kids and adults, that really matter. Those, that's what really matters. And this is what's true for the Christmas story. This is what's true most of all for the Christmas story that I think a lot of times we really miss in the Christmas story. In fact, the someone of the Christmas story is what makes the Christmas story so unforgettable. It's who that someone was and what that someone did that makes what we're doing here, celebrating Christmas Eve, so important. Because without that someone, I promise you, we would not be celebrating for thousands and thousands of years. 
we would not be reading and rereading the Christmas story year after year. There's no thing that could bring Christmas back year after year after year. It's not a thing, but a someone. Now to keep this accessible for all ages, I'm just going to summarize most of the, the Christmas story, specifically the part of the Christmas story that comes from the Matthew's account. Matthew uh, was one of Jesus' followers, um, documented uh, his experience, we think, tradition holds, of Jesus' life. And he documented um, the, the birth story of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, at the, at the end, he talks about Joseph's interaction, Jesus' like, stepdad. His interaction with Jesus in this whole story, okay? So we pick up the story and Mary and Joseph are engaged, as our kids so wonderfully put in our video, they're engaged. And so they're in a busy time of their lives, just like many of us are in a busy time of our lives, you know, managing everything, getting everything done, buying the right things, making sure we had the right money or the right things in the right places, all that kind of stuff, okay? Because they're going to have a party and they're going to get married. And in the middle of this, somehow, like Mary must have told Joseph, I don't know. And she says, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph was like, What? And Mary's like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, and, it, and it's not yours. And he's like, oh, I got that. And she says, it's God's. And he's like, I didn't get that. Say that one more time. No, it's God's through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph's like, could you imagine? Like, okay, Mary, you betcha. It's God's, okay? You know? And so Joseph finds out, and he's like, this is not going to work out. I'm going to have to move on. You know, he's just kind of skeptical of this whole story that marriage, Mary has. And, and we, I get that. I get, I get being skeptical of faith. I get, uh, I get being skeptical of God and miracles and that kind of thing. I was there. I lived it for a few years of my life um, before coming a pastor. Crazy story for another time. Um, but uh, in, in fact, we created Infused Church for the skeptics, for the Josephs of the world to sit there and say, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this could really be a thing because I get skepticism. I get trying to push back. I get not really believing in the whole picture. I get that. But if you choose honestly to come back on another Sunday or watch some of our stuff online, I think you'll find that we're okay with the uncomfortable. We're okay with the skeptics. We're okay with the doubts. That's okay for us here. And it should be okay for you. And I hope it is. It's a little side note, but I just really hope that if you're, you know, church isn't really a thing that you do or where you live normally, you don't really go to church, you haven't really engaged in faith in a long time. I hope that you would at least just try to figure it out. Figure it out for what it means. Don't just ignore it. Just just push it off because you got so many other things to do that you would figure out what faith is for you. Hunt for that truth. Hunt for that truth. That is not something to be afraid of. That's something to pursue. Okay, side message over. Okay, so God says, Joseph, I'm doing a great thing here. I got to get you back on course, buddy, because you're scared. You're running away. So he sends an angel, says, Joseph, don't be scared. Things are going to be good. Um, don't be afraid of what's happening because I told Mary I did all this. And she, Mary, is what he says in Matthew chapter 120, verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, which in Hebrew is actually Joshua. And Joshua translates to the phrase um, uh, the Lord will save. The Lord will save. And because he will save his people from their sins, which is not always a word we're terribly comfortable with, our sins, even though most of us are pretty honest with ourselves that we, we're, 
we do sin, okay? Sinning is, just to clarify, when you miss the mark with God, when you do not love how God wishes you to love, when you do not love your neighbor as yourself, when you do not love God, when you lie, when you don't tell the truth, and it hurts you and it hurts the relationship, right? And you feel guilty. When you hurt someone just in general and you feel ashamed, that's what sin does. It makes you feel terrible. You worship money and power, even though you'll never have enough money and you'll never have enough power and it just leaves you feeling exhausted and tired. You'll prioritize other things over people. Sin leaves you feeling tired, defensive, and just bad. It pushes people away. It doesn't build people up and it certainly doesn't build you up. That's sin. And Jesus, God says, I'm, I'm gonna save people from that. And how is he gonna do that? By becoming one of us. Here's what he says in the next verse, Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him, and this is a really big deal. In fact, we're gonna spend the rest of the time talking about how big a deal this is. Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's God with us. And we miss this. Oh, we miss this in the busyness of life and all the things we got going on, homework and tests and, and promotions and pandemics and, and politics and news cycles and Christmas parties and gift buying and presents. We miss this. We miss what a big deal this is, regardless of your faith experience, that God literally is with us on earth. Think about it this way. Think about the last time you felt alone. Think about a memory where you felt alone. Kids, maybe it was at school, maybe it was at a lunchroom, maybe it was at a classroom and a class project, and you were alone. Adults, maybe it was in the office or in a family event or a, a social event you had going on or a party or something, and you, you were just kind of on the outside. You weren't a part of anything. The last time you felt rejected, the last time you felt shunned, you felt pushed away by someone or pushed down or pushed out by someone. How'd that make you feel? I mean, seriously, how did you feel? You probably felt awful. I remember sitting at the lunch table in high school and nobody else was there and it was the most awkward, painful half hour of life to not be a part of anything to be alone. What would it have meant in that moment of feeling alone, of feeling pushed out, to have someone, not something, someone with you? Someone to stand for you, someone to be there for you. It would have been pretty awesome, wouldn't it? It would have felt pretty Great, it would have been one of the best feelings to have someone sit down at that lunch table with you. And that's what it means for Jesus, for God to be with us, to sit with us. That's Christmas. God in a body come to earth, vulnerable, weak, in the same way that we come into the world, he came into the world. And don't miss this. He didn't come to just hang out. He didn't come to make you feel bad. He came to save you, to help you, to serve you, to die for you. Die for your sins. I mean, 
How many things in your life have ever done that for you? How many people in your life have ever done any of those things, like genuinely, consistently, year after year for you? You'd certainly love it if some people had, but in reality, the people around us, we fall short. But God is with us. And he comes to take our sadness and to take our shame and to take our pain and give us a path forward towards forgiveness and peace. He even deals with the uncertainty of eternity. Jesus gives hope and a promise of paradise with him after death. Who does that? Who does that? What things do that for you? I don't know about you, but to me, that promise is worth rejoicing, worth shepherds visiting, worth magi crossing great distances to be there. It's worth singing about. It's worth stopping our busy lives and remembering the unforgettable someone who came to earth for you and you and you. And I know it's easy like to say, okay, Taylor, you know, that does sound good. I get that. But Taylor, it's difficult to have faith and to trust in someone that I can't touch, that I can't see. It's difficult to believe in something like that. How can that be real? How can there be a real birth and trust all those things? It's just difficult. Let me, let me explain it this way through a story. And this will kind of, it's, it's something that you're going to always have to wrestle with. But I hope this kind of gets you started. I want to tell you the story uh, about um, Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth and her mom and her dad and Simon, our kids ministry director, and I have been meeting over the past few months on Zoom uh, every couple of weeks because Elizabeth came uh, to Simon and came to me and said, I would like to be baptized. Elizabeth is six, okay? And so uh, we would love to baptize everybody. We want to baptize everybody. Uh, but, and, and we want people to, to show that outward symbol of an inward decision to follow Jesus. Uh, but when, you know, when you're younger, we just want to make sure that over time, that, that feeling of, of wanting to be baptized is still there and making sure that as best as your abilities allow you, that you understand what that decision means. And so we've just taken time with everybody a part of that to have those conversations. And so I want to bring you into um, our, our meetings um, because I think sometimes kids, adults, are you listening? Kids can be more honest than adults. They can see the world more as it is than we can. They don't come up with the creative excuses that we do. They can't justify their actions quite like we adults can. We can't come, they can't come up with scheduling conflicts quite like we do. Ah, oh, I can't make it. Ah, oh, I can't be there. Ah, oh, that's not going to work out to be at church, you know. And so there's an honesty there. And every time we met, I asked Elizabeth how that she knew that Jesus is for real. How did she knew, know that God is with us? And every time we got together, Elizabeth tells the same story. And the story is a moment um, when she was at school and there was some kids bullying some other kids or a particular kid. And she knew, as most of us all know, that that's not okay. But it's one thing to know it and another thing to say it and stand up and do the right thing. 
I mean, let's be honest, most of us adults, when we don't, when we see something that's not right, we don't stand up. We don't say no. We don't say that's not right. We kind of brush it under the rug or we excuse it away. And I think what makes it difficult to stand up and say no is because then you're the first one. You feel alone and isolated out there saying this is not right. And you're scared. You're alone. That's what being alone does. And after Elizabeth must have hesitated for a second, she said, but I went up and I said, that's not okay. And you need to stop or I'm gonna go get the teacher. And I said, well, Elizabeth, why did you do that? And every time the answer was the same because Jesus was with me. And then my response is, okay, well, Elizabeth, how do you know that Jesus was with you? And this last time, I think she just, she, she didn't even say anything, honestly, because I just asked her, okay, well, how did you know? Like, can, can you point? Like, how did you know? Can you give me some sign of how did you know that Jesus was with you? And she just pointed right here at her heart. You point at your heart when you feel loved. You point at your heart when you have a relationship with someone who cares about you. You point at your heart when you can trust someone. It's in here. And you can't explain it. It's difficult to explain because your brain's up here, but you feel it in here. And she said, I know in here that Jesus is with me. And when Jesus is with me, when I know that love, I can be strong enough to do things I otherwise wouldn't do because God is with us and you feel it and you know it and here and you decide to step out even into uncomfortable situations and be a light in the darkness. No thing does that. No thing in this world, no someone in this world has been able to cultivate such life change, such courage over thousands and thousands of years in our history as humanity as Jesus has. And you can skeptic that all you want, but you can't run from it because it's also the truth that there's something about him that changes people's lives. And I think it starts here because someone's some ones are the ones who make an unforgettable difference in our lives. It's, it's the people in our lives that change us the most. It's the people in our lives that we care for the most. It's the people in our lives that bring us joy. It's the relationships in our lives that bring happiness. And if you let him, because it's your choice, always your choice, Jesus is the one who can make an unforgettable difference in your life as well. Christmas should remind us not of the things that we have, the things that we get, the things that we have to do. It should remind us of the people that we're with and even more importantly, the someone who came to earth as God with us. And that someone can change our lives when we have a relationship, when we trust, when we have faith when we trust in what we cannot see, when we trust that love and we let that love come in here, that's life-changing. That's, to me, unforgettable. 
I'm going to invite the band up here and we're going to sing a song. While we sing the song, um, we're going to light candles. Uh, and some of you hopefully should have candles in your hands. If not, we'll have a couple people come around and, and get candles. Um, and then we're going to have some people, they're going to start coming up. And they're going to start lighting those of you on the ends of the aisles. Uh, they're going to light your candle first. And then if you would be so kind as to share that light with the people around you. And the light represents love. The light represents God coming to earth in the darkness to bring a little light. It represents the moments when we can stand up to bullies, when we can stand up to the hard times, and we can have hope, and we can have joy, and we can have a future. We're gonna sing a, a song called Away in the Manger. And I love some of the lyrics in the song. It says, the, the song is all about being with Jesus. You know, it's a cute, beautiful manger scene, but Jesus is there. And one of the lines is, be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever, forever I pray. It's about relationship, it's about love, and it's about compassion. So as the, the folks come forward and light your candles right now, I ask that you can stay seated and you can sing along if you know the song or you can and just reflect and consider what it is to prioritize the someones in our lives and the someone who came to earth during this next song. What? 
bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us this Christmas to maybe see you in a way we've never seen you before. It's not a distant God, not a God that's too far away, that's too big or too ethereal to understand, but a God that is close, a God that is present, a God that could have come to earth in any way he wanted and he chose to come just like us because that's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves each and every one of us. Despite all the shame we may carry, the guilt of our past we may carry, the burdens we may carry, the schedules we have to take care of, the, the check boxes we have to check. In the midst of all the crazy, he wants his love to shine through. And on that Christmas night, that's what he did. And the angels sang and the shepherds worshiped and God was with us. Lord, help us in our hearts, regardless of whether we've been a Christian for a long time, we're new to Christianity, we're just checking out church, or we're not even sure about this whole thing. Help us to honestly wrestle with the truth of did God come to earth to be with us? to love us because we know that what really matters are not the things in our lives, but the people in our lives. And that's exactly what he wanted to get across. He wanted to be the kind of person who loved, who served, who helped, who died for us. Help us to keep our hearts and our minds centered on this truth for the next few weeks as we go about our holidays, Lord and into our future. It's your name I pray, amen.